Hey now, and welcome back to another episode of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, a podcast for helping professionals who strongly believe in supporting their community and the humans who live there. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. I hope you all are doing well today. It's new episode day, and thank you so much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed the last two episodes on radical self-care and I'd be so interested to hear how you have been implementing or attempting to implement some radical self-care into your day-to-day. I enjoyed just putting those episodes together and just, you know, leaving you with little tidbits of some jewels of information to help you implement radical self-care, whether that be into your own life or in the life of your organization. So let's chat. You can find me on Instagram or I'm on Facebook, but I hang out most on Instagram. Instagram's my thing. So yeah, I want to know how you're doing. I want to know how you're implementing some of those things and what do you do for radical self-care? So on today's episode, we're going to keep this radical self-care train moving right along. So as I shared at the top of this month, April was a hard month for me. If I did not have the tools in my toolbox, and if I did not intentionally practice radical self-care the way that I do, so much so that it is a part of my life it would have been more complex than what it was. Like I'm absolutely certain that I would have struggled more than what I did. And you know, like I said earlier in the month, when I say it was hard, there were competing deadlines for the month, you know, reports and presentations. And you know, April was Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So there was that stuff. And then, you know, some grief stuff had kicked up for me. You know, what prepared me for that month and what prepared me to get through that month is because I genuinely and intentionally practice and have incorporated the components and the domains. Like I I intentionally focus on those domains of radical self-care and those things have intentionally been incorporated into my life. So. I know I've been speaking about this, you know, in, in you know, in its entirety, but you know, the the hard truth is is that like it is literally a part of my life. I I know I am speaking on it and have spoke to it the past couple episodes as its own thing, but it is literally a part of my life. Like so I do it as easily as I get up in the morning and brush my teeth. That's how it has been implemented into my life. So although the month was hard, the stress of the month was reduced tremendously because I know what to do for myself. I knew what to, when to back away. I knew what to do at work. I knew what to do for my team, meaning I knew what to do for myself so I could show up as my best self for the team of people that I work with. My team also knew what to do for themselves because radical self-care for human service professionals and social workers and enforcing that for myself, enforcing that for the people around you is my jam. 
<laughs> like it is something that I am, I'm very serious about. And it used to be one of those things that, you know, I enforced it for others, but I didn't do it for myself. But I had to make that big shift because it's one of those things that how can I make sure that everybody else was good, but then I wasn't good. That's, I was being, you know, I was being a hypocrite. Like I had to focus on myself. I had to start to, remember last episode, model that healthy behavior. So, you know, it it really is my jam. One of the things that I have incorporated into my life as a result of this shift is mindfulness practices. And I remember the first time I thought of incorporating mindfulness practices, and I'm like, I ain't into all this woo-woo. That's not your girl. But as a human service professional and social worker, I think it's vital that we adopt some level of mindfulness practices because it allows us to get grounded in between clients. It reduces anxiety before that meeting that could have been an email. And y'all know there's a lot of those. It also benefits in increasing well-being and wellness, which is the overarching goal of self-care. I remember when I first started working in North Carolina back in 2019. This was also when I first moved to North Carolina. I moved from Washington, D.C. to North Carolina and started my job in North Carolina all in the same month. And coming from Washington, D.C., I, and, and to me, it's a huge blessing that I was exposed to so many different cultures, to so many different things. I was able to always have these open conversations about social justice issues because I did a lot of social justice work when I was in DC. So I was able to have these conversations and I was able to be in environments and take part of being in environments where I was able to be heard and to be seen as not just a woman, but as a Black woman. And not saying for one second that the things that I've experienced here in North Carolina are not happening in Washington, D.C. But what I am saying is that my experience here in North Carolina has not been the same as it was when I was in DC. And that might be because, you know, I was born and raised there. So I was very comfortable there. I knew my surroundings. So it it could be a number of things. But when I moved to North Carolina, it was the first time that race and ethnicity began to become a topic of conversation. My race and ethnicity had become a topic of conversation as if I hadn't been Black all my life. Like, hello. I look in the mirror every morning. I see this beautiful melanated skin, you know, every morning. So I also noticed that this is also a time when my anxiety had increased and I began to deal with some imposter syndrome. I know when I said imposter syndrome, you know, everybody probably clutched their pearls, but no, it's, it's, it's real talk. Like, these things started to rear its real funk nasty, ugly head when I moved here to North Carolina. This was four years ago. I had already started my radical self-care journey then, but my therapist recommended that maybe I needed to start some mindfulness practices. A part of my radical self-care 
it was, I prayed, but I wasn't doing any kind of, you know, like mindfulness practices. Well, I didn't think, let me put it like that. I didn't think that I was doing any mindfulness practices. So back in 2020, I had taken a training that taught resiliency skills. Then in 2020, we all know that the world just went to dumpster fire, rolling down the street with what felt like there was no end in sight. And chow, was I glad I began to learn new tools to cope. Because then the dumpster fire had hit another dumpster (laughs) and that dumpster was on fire. So here we were, 2020, COVID was in these streets. I was new to an area. The world was uncertain and I was still having to go to work. It was a hard time. And I think I spoke about that hard time, maybe on the first or second episode. And if you haven't checked that episode out, I invite you to go and check out that episode. It was crazy, but I had learned these new skills. And then also, I was a newlywed. Here I was in the house with my husband and in the COVID, going to work, trying to figure out what in the world was going on, scared to go out filled with the anxiety when I did have to go out, trying to keep morale up at work, trying to keep clients safe, trying to keep staff safe, trying to ensure that I was taking care of myself and taking care of everyone around me. And at the same time, my husband's father was making his transition from this physical world. It was super hard. Four years later, mindfulness practices have provided me with the tools needed to support myself because during that time, the tools that I learned in the resiliency training, but also the tools that I had gained through continuing my therapy during that time, because of course, everything went from in-person to telehealth. Learning tools during that time, it really kept me grounded and it decreased my anxiety at times, but I think it made me a better, I'm going to say caregiver for my husband's emotions during that time because he was holding so much. And it also helped me to be able to show up for my in-laws at that time who were also holding so much. So having these mindfulness tools in my toolkit or my toolbox now, they help me support myself. They help me support my team at the organization where I'm at. They help me coach my clients and they also help me provide my consulting clients with some support because there are some times 
when I am working with my consulting clients, that they become overwhelmed with everything that they are holding space for in their organizations or everything that they are holding space for, even in their personal lives. That, you know, it's like, well, Dr. Sherry, I cannot provide this deliverable today because. And sometimes it's like, okay, let's pause for a second. I hear that you are struggling in this moment. Do you mind if I do a grounding exercise with you? Or do you mind if I share a resiliency tool with you that kind of helps me when I am feeling like I'm about to punch a hole in the wall? (laughs) So mindfulness practices, they're so helpful when you're doing client-centered work. So I consider myself, even though I don't do client-centered work as far as like the case management, I do still do a level of client-centered work. I just do it on a very different level. Today, we're going to explore how mindfulness practices are helpful when you are doing client-centered work with your clients for human service professionals and for social workers. So if you want to grab a piece of paper or your journal, if you are driving and listening to this, or if you're listening to this while you are doing laundry, or if you're listening to this while you're getting ready for work, just always know you can come back and listen to it later. But I'm going to give you seven takeaways today of mindfulness practices that are helpful to use for human service professionals and social workers that are doing client-centered work with your clients. And these are also mindfulness practices that you can use with your clients. Because remember, our clients are also holding a lot. You know, one of the things that I always enforce when I am either in my executive director capacity with my team, or if I am in an organization providing support to a nonprofit organization. I say this and I mean this. Just because we are the professional, it does not mean we're always right. And just because they are the client, it does not mean that they are always wrong. Our clients hold as much stuff in their bodies, in their emotions, and in their mental as we hold. So the same things that we are teaching ourselves to do, we can also take time to pour these same things into our client. And remember, modeling healthy behavior is very important. So grab your journal, Grab a cute ink pen or just a regular ink pen. My folks that work with me, that that work with me, they laugh at me all the time because my favorite ink pen, like literally, they are the big round stick, medium point ink pens, probably some of the cheapest ink pens you can find at Staples, but they are my favorite ink pen. So grab your favorite ink pen. I don't need nothing fancy. So first one, start with breath awareness. I was never aware until being in therapy, how quickly my breath changes when I'm on 1000 because we don't pay it any attention or how quickly your breath changes when you do feel like you're full of anxiety. So start with breath awareness. Take a few moments to simply focus on your breath. 
noticing the sensation of the breath moving in and out of your body. This can help bring you into the present moment and calm your mind. And this is an amazing exercise that you can do for that client who is coming into your office and Miss So-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, I went over to the Department of Social Service and they telling me they're going to cut my food stamps. And you know that right there, first of all, that client is probably already at 1.5,000 when he or she comes into your office. First things first, let's try to ground that person. We already know if this is that person's sole method of feeding his or her family, then that means that the likelihood of that person coming into your office calm is zero. So it is your job as the human service professional to one, ensure that you've taken time in between clients to make sure that you've grounded yourself. So maybe after every client, Start with some breath awareness. Take some time to ground yourself. Take some time to shut your door. Take some time maybe to sit in your cubicle. If you sit in a cubicle, maybe put some earbuds in and just take maybe five minutes to just ground yourself and pay very close attention. A few moments to just focus on your breath. Focus on your breathing. Try to calm yourself. So when he or she comes through the door with a problem that to them is urgent, you can respond accordingly. Number two, already kind of mentioned it, is take breaks. Regular breaks throughout the workday can be a great way to reduce stress and take care of yourself. I think I mentioned it on another episode this month about lunch breaks. Like I really want my folks to take lunch breaks, like get out of the office Not a lot of people in my office live in the city where we live at. So sometimes I am okay if folks just kind of stay in their office and, you know, maybe they might not leave out of the office for lunch, but at least put your phone on do not disturb. Um, At least let the front desk receptionist know like, hey, for the next 30 minutes to an hour, I'm not going to take any clients. So can you please see if such and such will take any of the walk-ins that come in? But this allows you a few minutes to be to yourself, kind of maybe shed all of that energy from the clients you just saw for the morning, or maybe you just had a heavy case that you were just working with and you need about five to 10 minutes before you see the next person. You are giving yourself the space and grace because this allows you then to be present to the next client that comes through the door. So take breaks. Breaks are so important. If you have a few minutes, stretch, get up, stretch. My husband is always fussing at me because weekends, I always fit in on the weekend time for me to work on work with my consulting and my coaching clients on the weekends. And he's like, I need you to get up and I need you to walk around and I need you to stretch. And he's absolutely correct. Because sometimes I will be in my office and I'll just be working out, working out, working out because I have everything allotted in time slots. And then my break, I usually take after I've worked so many hours. But he's asked me to, you know, fit 
some small breaks in. So I got you, honey. Um, so yeah, if you can go walk outside, get some fresh air, even though right now here in North Carolina, there is a fire in the, I think it's called the Croatan Park. So the air quality is not really good here in New Bern right now. So we can't do a whole lot of walking around outside right now. But yeah, if you can step outside and walk around, it will make a big, big difference. Number three, which is probably one of my favorite, and that is practice gratitude. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Practice gratitude. Take a few moments each day to focus on what you are grateful for. This can help shift your focus from stress to positive aspects of your life and work. I practice gratitude on a daily basis. When I open my eyes every morning before I even step out of bed, I open my eyes and the first things out my mouth are, Lord, I thank you for opening my eyes this morning. Lord, I thank you for my husband. I thank you for my son. And I call my folks by name. I thank you for, I then I go down the line. I thank you for Brittany. Well, my son's name is Jawan. So I thank you for Jawan and his life. I thank you for Brittany and her life. I thank you for Hilton, the, the, the third in his life. I thank you for Sterling. I thank you for Brooke. I thank you for Leandra. I go down the list. I thank you for Demi. I thank you for Kingsley. I go down the list and I thank God for everybody. And then I say my prayers and that's how I start my day. I start my day thanking God because I know that I didn't have to wake up that morning. So I practice gratitude. I practice gratitude because I live by the motto that I know that I am not exempt from being on the opposite side of that desk of of any client in any organization that I've ever worked at. And I am just truly blessed to not be on the other side of that desk. And to me, that is something to be grateful for. That is not to diminish our clients. That is not to diminish anyone at all. But I am truly grateful to be in the position that I am in. So number four is use mindfulness apps. Many great apps can help you incorporate mindfulness into your workday. Some popular ones include Headspace, Calm, And I personally use Calm. I have a subscription to Calm. It's a yearly subscription. I make sure I pay my yearly subscription. And there are so many nice, like, like mindfulness, almost like, I don't want to, I don't know if they're trainings, but they're, maybe they are trainings, but you can uh, do in Calm. At one point, um, Tabitha Brown, she had one in Calm. I just, I really, really enjoy using Calm. Number five is practice mindful listening. You know, as human service professionals and social workers, we're taught active listening. And so mindfulness listening is when speaking with colleagues, try listening to what they say without judgment or distraction. This can help improve communication and reduce stress in the workplace. So it's almost like active listening. And I try to use this at home also. 
I am a fixer and I married a fixer. So two fixers together, it's like, okay, well, how's it going to get fixed if both persons trying to fix it and both persons got two different ways of trying to fix it. So we have learned to try to practice mindful listening. So, and it's a good way to also function in the workplace. Number six is practice self-compassion. Be kind to yourself. Y'all know that's my thing. Y'all know I love, love, love kindness. It's it's free. It don't cost you nothing to be kind. You have to be kind to yourself. Practice self-compassion and recognize that everybody makes mistakes. When you feel stressed or overwhelmed, take a moment to offer yourself some self-compassion and support. We have to, I tell anybody who works with me, I am my worst critic. I don't need you to be my critic because I can do that all by myself. But I have learned that if I make a mistake, one, I hold myself accountable. And two, if it is something that I need to apologize for, I will apologize for it. And three, Give me the space and the grace to make it right. But I have to give myself some kindness. Y'all know I say it at the end of every episode. Kindness is free. So be kind to someone today, tomorrow, the next day, and the next day. Practice self-compassion. Number seven, take a mindful approach to task. When working on tasks, focus on one thing at a time and give it your full attention. This can help reduce stress and improve productivity. Now, I'm going to be real, real honest about this one, y'all. This was the hardest one for me to work through, and I am still working through it. God knows my heart. <laughs> and I say that because... I have a lot of projects going on <laughs> and, but everything gets done and we just going to leave that there. Okay. <laughs> Remember practicing mindfulness, it takes time and effort and it is not an overnight process and you're not going to always get it right. But it's important that you practice mindfulness because it will reduce stress. It will reduce anxiety. Because the benefits are so worth it. By incorporating mindfulness practices into your day, I'm telling you, when I say it can reduce your stress, it can can improve your mental health, and it helps promote that radical self-care that we've been talking about. So remember to take a mindful pause throughout the day. Take a few minutes and just pause and bring your attention to your breath. Close your eyes, take deep, slow breaths, feel your chest and your belly expand, exhale, exhale, you will feel so much better. This can help you feel more centered. When I do coaching, when when I work with my coaching clients, before we start any session, we always start with a grounding exercise. Any of my coaching clients, we always start 
with grounding. Always, always, always. Because I want you to be in this moment. I want you to be in the moment. This is your sacred time with me. And I want you to be in this moment. I value this time because this means you trusted me with your time. And I want to honor this space. So we're going to ground ourselves. I need it for me. You need it for you. So let's ground ourselves. Let's create this sacred space so we can move forward with what you want to work on today. Remember to always practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. I know this is not a spiritual podcast, but for me, for me, what you believe is on you and I love you for what you believe. But for me, I thank God every day because I know my life could be so much, so different. So for me, I practice gratitude every day. I thank God for my job. I thank God for the people that I work with. Even when we don't see eye to eye, I thank God for my crazy husband. I thank God for my chosen family and my blood family. I thank God for them. I thank God for my little car. I thank God for the air that I am able to breathe. Practice gratitude. Thank you, higher power. Thank you, universe. Practice gratitude. Engage your senses. A good exercise sometimes when I know that there is a situation that Dr. Sherry can potentially pop all the way off, (laughs) all the way off, I love 54321. And 54321 is five things you see, four things you can touch, three things you hear, two things you smell, and one one thing that you can taste. It's a good exercise that engages your senses. You're able to notice your surroundings and it brings you back to the present moment. It can, and it reduces stress and anxiety. Always take a walk, set boundaries. I'm gonna say that one more time for the people in the back. Set boundaries, friend. It's essential to set boundaries and prioritize radical self-care, both at work and outside of work. You know, this could mean taking your breaks, saying no to projects that don't align with your values, or taking time off when it is needed. Remember that taking care of yourself is essential for your well-being. You know, sometimes I think of radical self-care like forgiveness. Hmm. Forgiveness is for you. You forgive for your healing. Radical self-care is for you. Radical self-care is for your healing. Okay. Self-practice self-compassion. Remember, practice self-compassion. You got to practice self-compassion. Incorporating these mindful practices into your workday. They can help you so much. I know the magnitude of the work that you're doing. I do. I can't stress enough how much the field of human services I love. I love the field of human services. I love human service professionals and social workers. I know what you are holding because I hold it all too. 
But in order for you to have longevity in this field, if this is what you are passionate about, you have got to start to get passionate about yourself. First and foremost, so incorporating mindfulness into your daily practices, incorporating these things, these activities into your radical self-care routine, it will mitigate the stress that you are feeling. Prioritizing your well-being both in and outside of work is so important. It's so important. And I know you can do it. I know you can do it. I know, I know, I know you can. So those are my little nuggets today, y'all. I hope you got something. I hope you took your notes. If you didn't, you can always listen to this podcast episode again. But I hope I left you with some little nuggets today that you can begin to incorporate into your life. So that's all I got for y'all today, you know? I would like to send a very special thanks to all of our listeners. Just before I recorded this podcast today, I got uh, an amazing email from, I am a part of the Fox Media family. The Passionate Stewardship Podcast is under the Fox Media family. And on a weekly basis, we always get uh, our stats and what our stats look like. And, you know, we, I have so much gratitude. Look at, look at me practicing my mindfulness tools. I have so much gratitude in my heart for all of you. And this podcast and the work that goes into this podcast, it's truly a labor of love. And I have so much gratitude for the field of human services and the fantastic work that human service professionals, social workers, and nonprofit organizations do every single day to support their communities and the humans who live there. You know, right now, y'all, we are downloaded in eight countries, eight countries. And that is so humbling to me. And I am filled with so much gratitude because of that. Um, Ghana, I see you. I see you, India. I see you, United Kingdom. Australia, I see you. Singapore, hey, y'all, I see you. Canada, I see you. Mexico, I see you. And last but certainly not uh, not least, these United States of America, I see you, boo. (laughs) Thank you. You know, one of my goals when I started this podcast was to ensure that human service professionals felt seen and heard, not to underscore social workers, but I am a professional human service professional because often, you know, far too often it's social workers, social workers, social workers, social workers. And there is not enough, in my opinion, and it's my opinion and my opinion matters because it's the Passionate Stewardship Podcast with Dr. Sherry. But far too often, human service professionals are not given the props that they deserve. And we are a real profession. We went through some years of schooling just like everybody else. Our voices matter. We matter to this field. The positions that we hold in organizations, the work that we do in organizations, it matters. And the disciplines are so similar, which is why I talk about human service professionals and social workers, because we all, both of those disciplines do amazing work in our community. So 
My promise as we get ready to go into month six of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast is to continue to bring myself to this podcast and to this work unapologetically. And I'm working on a dream project, y'all, that I'm so excited and can't wait to introduce with introduce to you all very, very soon. So please be on the lookout for that. So for now, do me a favor, a solid favor, and rate the podcast on wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Okay. Do that for me. I want to know what you think. I know you're listening all over the world. I see you, India. Hey. (laughs) So in closing, I have been sharing this month Um, poems from Alexandra Hill's book, Love in My Language. And the book is such a beautiful book. Um, And if you have not picked up a copy, please pick up a copy of the book. The book is not on Audible. It's just a hard copy, a hard copy of the book. And it's a beautifully written book about self-discovery. And one thing that radical self-care is all about, it is about self-discovery because when you start to focus on yourself, you are going to learn So many things about yourself that you didn't even know. I did not understand how much me sitting in silence, how healthy it was and how transformative it was for me until I intentionally started to sit in silence and meditate while sitting in silence. There is a complete difference than just sitting and not talking and meditating. So. I employ you to get this book. It's a, it's a beautifully written book and it's about self-discovery. So this, this week's poem is entitled Mindful. I think we all forget about ourselves at times. I have learned to remember me. Mm, I felt that y'all. All righty. Remember Radical self-care is health care and kindness is free. How about it? So be kind to someone today. I love you so much for listening. Until next time, be good to yourself and others. Bye. Hey.